you know you've got to sing along. Don't you know This is the Cabinet HR Culture Podcast, hosted by Daniela Young. Join Daniela as she has great conversations with people on the importance of culture and leadership in organizational behavior. You will hear the great, the bad, and the ugly as she talks to a huge variety of guests in different fields. Are you looking for ways to improve your culture? Then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Cabinet HR Podcast is brought to you by Cabinet HR. At Cabinet HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise. Come to CabinetsHR.com to see how Cabinet HR can take care of your HR so you can focus on building your company and taking care of your customers. Remember to be great every day. Hi, everyone. This is the Cabinet HR Culture Podcast, and I'm your host, Daniela Young. Our guest today is Mary Pat Knight. Mary Pat, are you ready to be great today? I am ready to be great today. Mary Pat is a leadership transformation and emotional intelligence expert. Her 30-year career has spanned executive leadership positions in marketing, operations, strategic planning, human resources, development, and executive coaching. Drawing on her C-level experience, she has developed a simple yet powerful system for creating emotional intelligence that creates healthy teams, inspires leaders, and transforms culture. Thousands of clients have experienced powerful life and business transformation by committing to this system. Mary Pat is the founder and CEO of Leaders Inspired, helping leaders lead from the heart while creating phenomenal business results. And Mary Pat is going to share some amazing value with us here today, listeners. So Mary Pat, can you tell me a little bit about something that you're working on these days that is super exciting? Yes, I actually can. Um, The Body of Work Leadership Mastery is our signature program for Leaders Inspired. And I've been doing it for 15 years, and we've had phenomenal results with thousands of people, real um, work and life transformation, and total impact on company cultures. What I noticed, however, in the last several months is an offering that we used to do on the back end is really something that has to happen on the front end. So I'm working on a program called From Boss to Coach because I believe that the skills of coaching, which include listening and asking great questions, are really, those skills are going to be what transforms everything as we move forward. And so I'm working on getting it completely up front in all the work that we do. And I'll be rolling out that program uh, in the summer and into the fall. So I'm especially excited about that. That sounds so great. Isn't it interesting how a lot of times young leaders think that they need to charge forward, right? Young or new leaders. But I really liked what you mentioned about listening. Yeah. Listening as leadership is so important. I posted something recently and I I can't believe the amount of comments and traction that it got. And it really was, you know, be quiet, listen. Um, And and really an admonition almost, be quiet, slow down enough to listen. We're missing so much when we just move forward with what our agenda is or what we think we need to say or the next question we need to ask instead of simply listening. And listening gets us all the leadership knowledge and information that we need to be successful and help our teams be successful. It's the seminal skill. 
Yeah, and leadership is not so much about you knowing all the answers, right? It's about getting your team to those answers and letting your team, you know, aggregate all of their knowledge and come up with the best solution. So you know what I say? That. That's really true. I'm really glad you said that because I always say to my, um, to my groups that the answer is in the room. And by that, I mean exactly what you just said is that I, by myself, I'll contribute. Um, I may have some life experience and some business wisdom that I could contribute. But at the end of the day, it's really the, the combination of all of the people in the room that will come up with the answer that is the best for the company, for, for the team, uh, maybe for the world. All of us quiet it down enough to hear what the other person is saying and then contributing our wisdom. I mean, just that's, that would be a culture I would want to work in. Absolutely. You know, and, and to that point, I just had the opportunity to like eavesdrop on some psychologist research the other week. And they had this really sort of breakthrough stuff, of course, that they're going to publish soon, but about <laughs> how the an uh, idea person is useful, even if all of their ideas are terrible. The sharing, those people that are super open about just sharing all of their random ideas gets everyone else to share more ideas and then they come to a better idea together and they're like proving that now, which is super exciting. Oh, I can't wait to read that research. I mean, I went, think about, I think about for me and I, this is probably true for you as well as some of my best ideas didn't come out of my first idea. It came out of an idea that I may have shared with someone and they added something to my idea and I thought some more about the idea and somebody else added something to my idea when all of a sudden I had the idea that I actually didn't have in the first place. So I, I can't wait to see that research. Well, and everything's so connected. You know, they always, you hear all the time in the business world, like, oh, I had that idea. You know, I had the idea for Facebook way before it was a thing. <laughs> And, you know, they go all the way back in research and they're like, if um, Newton hadn't invented gravity or realized gravity, right, the next guy down the street would have done it because the world, you know, everything is a conversation. Yes. And the world is yeah. sort of happening at the same time. And yeah. so, yeah, it's so true. I think as leaders, you know, we, we build on the experience. That's what I love about this podcast is I get to talk to as many diverse yeah. leaders as possible. And our listeners get to just aggregate all of your knowledge. And every time they hear something, they're going to think of something else. And we all get to be part of this, you know, leadership and culture conversation. Yeah. And I really like what you just shared. I have um, a, a very dear friend of mine and she's a little more mystical than I am. I'm a, a bit more pragmatic and, and logical than she. But in her mystical way, she says that, you know, universe or God or spirit or whatever whispers in your ear an idea. And it's your job to germinate that idea and evolve the idea. And if you don't, guess what? The door closes and they do go to the next person who's willing to hear the idea and act on the idea. So part of it is, and how as leaders do we get out of our comfort zone enough to take those types of risks that might, um, you know, maybe it will lead to the next great thing, or maybe it will just lead to immense personal satisfaction. And that's pretty good in itself, too. Absolutely. The process is important. Yeah. And listeners, if you're interested in hearing my story, which is exactly what Mary Pat just talked about, how idea development kind of goes through fruition over years and years, listen to episode zero of the HR, sorry, of the Cabinet's HR Culture Podcast. Yes. For yes. that. 
And on that note, Mary Pat, mm -hmm. as we're talking about everything is connected, you shared with me when we chatted earlier about how your past experience has led you to all of the insights you have today, which I think is really important because as leaders, all of our experience matters. So I read out your bio, which was very professional sounding. Tell us about the other stuff that you bring to the table. Well, you know, um, I believe we're holistic beings, so whatever we're doing and wherever we're showing up in our lives right now is a direct reflection of everything that has gone before and that what we wish for in the future. With that being said, don't rest too much on your past laurels. Let that be information for where we are today. So in a convoluted way, let me just tell you, I started out in the theater. You cannot be good on the stage unless you could study human nature. So I was fascinated with what made human beings tick, especially in terms of being in leadership positions. What made you tick? What made you effective and ineffective? I studied, studied, studied. I also ended up in a corporate career where I really was really in every functional leadership area except for finance. And so that's a real opportunity and, and, and also with a lot of, um, you know, potential pitfalls. So does my curiosity and my love of leadership win out or does my ego and my need to be right win out? So most times, nine times out of 10, I was really on the side of curiosity. So, so, so it allowed me to expand. And then I think the final piece of the puzzle for me in learning all of this and bringing this together, especially um, in light of understanding and executing emotional intelligence, is the fact that I'm a parent. I was a single parent of three kids. Now, they're not kids anymore. They're young adults. And so I watched them as my greatest teachers in terms of what works and what doesn't work for leadership. And I'm then able to bring that back to my clients and to my company. So you see, it's very holistic. And I know you've had the same experience. I know you have a military background and a business background and you're an idea person. So my guess is that, you know, however your past choices in your current situation and what your future aspirations are also is going to create that for you and even for your listeners. I mean, we all have to take a look at past, present, future, and all of the roles that we played along the way. They all feed into what we're doing today and, and how grateful, satisfied, and appreciative we might be. You know, I love that you said that, and I love hearing strong women bring up their children <laughs> in a professional setting as, you know, advice or lessons that they've learned. I actually just had the opportunity last week to be a guest on a podcast with a psychologist who was specifically interviewing me on parenting and leadership and what parenting teaches you about leadership. Yeah. Which is, you know, yes, I've had, you know, very similar experiences to you. And I think for our listeners, you know, just know that you don't just wake up one day suddenly interested or an expert at something. It develops throughout your life. And once you yeah. finally get to that place, like Mary Pat is now, where you know who you are, you know who you're supposed to be, what your value is to the world and to your clients, you're then able to look back over you know, 30 years, 50 years, whatever it might be, and again, aggregate all of that experience into kind of your, your mission and your passion yeah. today. Yeah. And it yeah. sounds like you not only do that very well, but you also help your clients do that with their own leadership. Well, I think, I think that's, um, and I'm happy that you said that because it's okay if we have this experience, but if we're hoarding it or keeping it all to ourselves, then what impact are we having in the world? And, and even in the smallest way, it could be, you know, at your church or synagogue or mosque, could be at the community center, could be at the little league team that you coach. What of you, hopefully all of you, are you bringing to the situation? 
That's what I help my clients see. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah. I think that too, you know, we talk a lot in the leadership space about vulnerability and we're all so scared that if we share these personal things about ourselves, you know, and especially for women, right? We need to be so professional. We need to have our strong face on all the time. However, sometimes I ask people, well, if you flip it around and you think about a time someone shared a story with you of a hardship that they've been through and what they learned from it, does that make you think worse of them? Almost never, right? Almost never. So I think we could kind of use that as a way, you know, so on the flip side, if I share something about myself that makes me feel vulnerable, that's probably going to make the person I'm talking to have a realization of their own or relate to me in a different way. But thinking, yeah, no, I, thinking I of agree. me as weak is probably not the outcome that they're going to have. Oh, you are not weak. You are not weak, girlfriend. That's <laughs> hey, for sure. Hey, you are hey, not weak. Teachers, right? <laughs> so yeah, we, gotta, we always got to push ourselves, you know, push ourselves into vulnerability. For sure. Well, and I think you're really onto something, which is why Brene Brown is going to have a platform forever because, you know, her work on trust and vulnerability and, you know, easing shame and the like. Here's, you know, when I'm working with my corporate teams, um, you know, there's sometimes a preconceived notion of what leadership is. And that's really why I'm doing this from boss to coach program that I mentioned at the top of um, at the top of our interview. Um, because we bring this kind of boss mentality, this dictatorial parental style of um, leadership into our companies and it doesn't work. And maybe it used to work back in the seventies or sixties. It doesn't work anymore, especially doesn't work with our youthful leaders right now who we're cultivating and developing. It does not work. And so it's really, really important that we embrace um, some level of transparency and vulnerability. And I think it can only do that when someone is willing to show the way and is showing the way the stories really do it. I mean, I laugh. I have my youngest son is Riley and my, all of my students know who Riley is because I I teach the chronicles of Riley. Everything that they need to learn as leaders has happened because of the mistakes I've made parenting Riley. So it's, I think it's really, really um, important to make yourself approachable and accessible and stories do that. Yeah. Everything's a story. And to what you said, you know, I read this really interesting article once about how management worked fine for the industrial age. And right, that right. was solving kind of a lot of easy questions and easy problems. Now in the information yeah. age, all the easy problems have been solved. We're solving really complicated problems and we have to move to leadership versus management. Yes. And yeah. as you've mentioned, that is about guiding, that is about reflecting, that is about being a coach to your people, which I just love. Yeah. So Mary Pat's program, From Boss to Coach, if you are interested, you should, uh, you should check that out. Okay, Mary Pat, you mentioned emotionally intelligent teams. It yeah. talks about that in your bio. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think we started talking about it just now with the vulnerability and the transparency that we were talking about because emotionally intelligent teams um, require a level of trust, vulnerability, and transparency. And the whole notion of emotional intelligence, I think sometimes people get you know, scared of it. It's like a big term. And to demystify it and to make it applicable to teams, it's simply, I have emotions, I've learned how to manage them. I identify them and I manage them. Now I know you have emotions because so do I. 
and I support the relationship by supporting you to manage an appropriate expression of your emotions. And that's really it. And then in the center of all of this is compassion. And compassion means that I hold a space for you to have your experience. I'm not going to judge you or criticize you. I may offer you feedback in order to get us into relationship, but I have a choice. And um, I think emotionally intelligent teams know this and they respect this. So they, they um, are self and other aware. They, they have high level communication skills. They listen to each other. Um, they navigate conflict because it's never personal. It's about what's best for the team. Um, and they know how to make and keep incredible agreements. They listen, they listen, they listen some more. And, and I, think, I, I think you probably have experienced this, especially in your military career, because high emotional intelligent teams, there's a high level of respect and I've got your back. I'm not going to leave you behind. Um, and we're going to go together as a team because we have a mission together as a team. And so I really, when I think about your military background, I think, wow, you, you've really had the, the full expression of this yourself. I think... For sure, that is true. And I was actually going to hone right in on where you said navigating conflict, because, you know, so often I see that there's this seems to be this focus in court in the corporate world on conflict mitigation or conflict avoidance or solving conflict. <laughs> and, you know, whereas from, you know, the military perspective, it's like, well, we're not going to train to just avoid bullets. You know, we're going to go out and actually train what we are going to do if somebody starts, when somebody starts shooting at us, right? Right, and right, that's right. How you know, that's how you at least get the closest to how you're yes. act. You never know what the conflict is going to be. But that's in right. military, we call it wargaming. And you go through what you would do if, what you would do if this happened, what you would do if that happened. And how I really think the emotionally intelligent teams plays into that is you develop trust through essentially practicing, right? You have right. developed trust through going through conflict together. Right. Um, and you can do that in a practice world and then you go out and do it in real life. Yeah. And the more you realize that your experiences are different, your worldviews are different, even like you mentioned, your different personalities are different. And instead of criticizing that or trying to fit into one mode, you say, okay, you're different. So you're in this area, you're in this area, you're in this area. These are everyone's different responsibilities. And together we can solve the whole problem. And we yeah. have trust in each other. And that's, yeah. you know, now you have a really great team. No, I think you're true. And I think actually um, really early on in the work that I do with my clients, we take a look at how do you customize communication to people's behavioral styles. And, you know, we use DISC because I like that, but other people use Myers-Briggs and other people use, you know, predictive index. I mean, there's a whole lot of wonderful, wonderful tools out there. But at the end of the day, if it's a teaching and a coaching skill or that you're teaching at that point, um, using an assessment like this, you're able to let people know that um, the beauty of it is that all people are different. They're going to express and receive conflict differently, and they're going to express and receive, um, you know, different levels of communication differently. And the fun part of it is to put all the puzzle pieces together so that it works. Absolutely. There's a great uh, CEO mentor of mine who, when his company needs to fill a position, he has his disc chart like on a wheel and so they can <laughs> yeah. see where there's a hole, where there's a gap. 
And not only does he hire the skills for that position, but he also hires the type of personality that fills that gap, which I think is just genius. Yeah, I think it is too. And I think actually um, the next iteration above that and the real test of emotional intelligence is can you work and coach with your leaders that they can begin not in a manipulative way, but in a smart way to adjust their styles to meet the needs of the people who are around them. So if I'm a high dominant person, then I know I'm driving for results all the time, but I'm working with a bunch of people who really prefer a team oriented environment am I going to drive so hard? I don't think so. I'm going to adjust my style so that I'm effective with that team. So I think that's where the EQ comes in. That's really fun. And I love your perspective, Mary Pat, on sort of coaching leaders and this entire idea that leadership is a skill that you develop over time. Because, you know, as you were talking about that last thing, you know, a lot of people that are high personality, hard charging, these days are almost considered to be not good leadership material. But this is my opinion, and I'm hoping you have something to say on this, that I think a lot of times new leaders tend to be very hard charging because they're A-type personality people. And they have to learn through time and experience and coaching that, you know, letting your team shine, letting other people shine, making room for other people to succeed, that's sort of what you're here for. And that makes you a great leader. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I think the younger leaders, um, I think about yourself, you know, I think about myself, you know, I'm a little bit older than you. My early leadership, you know, was very different than who I am today. I have, you know, I have eons of, of years of wisdom right now, but at first you show up and you need to prove yourself. And now you have the position and the title. So you get positional power rather than personal power. And I know the work that I do with my groups is I want you to access your personal leadership power. It's very individual. And then it comes out into the collective. Rather than me trying to slap over the top of the fact that, you know, I am now the manager and you have to listen to me because I have the title, you know, that doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And I think the younger leaders can sometimes push and or recede um, depending upon, you know, really how they're wired. But that early, early leadership is frightening. I think sometimes it's frightening. I feel you there. I remember the time I was 22 years old right out of college and I was handed a commission in the army and said, congratulations, you're now a leader. And on that note, (laughs) let's jump right into talking about young leaders. There's this idea that some folks have that we're facing a leadership shortage, which I don't think you agree with. I certainly don't agree with. So I think one of the problems is that because folks move around so much these days. There's not as much of a focus on developing leaders when they're 22 and 23 and having them grow, even if it's not with your company, if it's with someone else. So what do you have to say about how we can develop young people to be leaders of tomorrow? Yeah, well, you're right. I do not believe there's a leadership shortage at all. I believe that there's more of a hoarding mentality or a hero mentality. So I, I make myself worthy by being able to solve all of the problems and swoop in to save the day. And we don't all do that, but, but there is a part of it that says I have to hoard my position and my leadership when I think a real transformational leader and the people that I would like to work with are really taking a look at opportunities to develop on the spot in the job, in the moment, opportunities 
for people to stretch their leadership. So one of the things that I think is interesting is that Chip Connolly, who was uh, one of the, you know, was the founder of Joie de Vivre um, Hotels, he's actually got a whole movement right now. And he wrote a book called Wisdom at Work. It's called The, Ma- the Making of the Modern Elder is the um, subtitle. And he talks about these wisdom exchanges, and that's not the terminology he uses. It's, that's the terminology I'm using, which is as an older worker, you're 50, 55, you're in, and you're working with a younger workforce who's developing their leadership. How do you trade wisdom for wisdom so there's mutuality so that leadership can be cultivated? I love what he's talking about and what he's doing. And practically, here's what it looks like. I have years and years of wisdom and business experience that I'm willing to share with you and mentor you, and you will co mentor me digitally because you're much stronger from a digital perspective than I ever will be. And so that sort of mutual exchange of mentoring creates um, an incredible platform, I think, for developing leaders. It's the work I do in a different way. I just love the way he's describing it. So I wanted to make sure that we we talked about Chip because, because he's doing such an incredible job. But I think it's, again, are we willing to listen? Are we willing to take a look at the person, you know, 20 years younger across the table and know that they also are wise and they've got a new view of leadership, which could be very different than mine. They have a new view of how to cultivate relationships, which could be very different than mine. And it's okay because guess what? The world is changing. It's not always going to look the way it looked in the 80s or the 90s. It looks really different today. And my job is to make sure you have an opportunity to develop to make mistakes and to learn from the mistakes so that your leadership muscles are strengthened. Fail fast and fail forward, as they say. Fail fast. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and I, I also think there's somewhat of a trade-off between energy and experience. Yeah. And so I think that when young people come into a new job or, you know, they're new in leadership, they have so much energy. They want to change everything all the time. I describe this from my own experience as sometimes leaders respond with shut up and sit down, lieutenant. But what happens by the time you are a captain and you're more experienced, your energy has also sometimes settled down. Your passion, your drive, and that, that idea that you can change the world gets tempered by reality. Yeah. And so I think it's such an important point of view for experienced leaders to harness the energy of those brand new people. Of course, they don't have the experience. Of course, they're going to make crazy suggestions. Sometimes you do need to tell them to just sit down, but you should also be, I think, you know, incorporating that energy and questioning your processes when they question. I agree. I agree. I'm so grateful for the leaders in my life who did that for me, who allowed curiosity to be the rule of the day, rather than being a know-it-all. They, they cultivated a way of thinking in me that I now can impart to other people. And I'm so grateful for those, those leaders who said, no, don't sit down, speak up. Let's hear what you have to say. Don't so. sit down, speak up. There we well, go. Well, this has been such a great conversation, Mary Pat. And yes. are you providing a gift or discount today for our listeners? Well, you know, I have a really fun quiz out there. So it's, uh, and I know quizzes got a bad rap a couple of months ago or last year, but this is a fun one. It is called, um, uh, it's, it's an emotional intelligence quiz. So if you want to go to um, emotionally smart leader.com emotionally smart leader.com um, and click on to 10 question survey see where you stand in the eq and then i'll send a little bit of side coaching along to to support you to develop a higher level of eq and i think that's going to be in your podcast notes as well correct yes ma'am yeah 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 what? we are getting to the, sorry 
No, you're good. What is the best way to connect with you on social media? I think probably LinkedIn. That's where I'm the most active. And so at LinkedIn, you can find me as MP Knight, M-P-K-N-I-G-H-T, MP Knight. All right. So connect with her on LinkedIn. Mary Pat is phenomenal. She's super high energy. And for someone who has eons of experience, she looks like she's been through a time machine. Oh, <laughs> Um, oh, I love you. Looks phenomenal. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm feeling energized from this conversation. So thank you. Um, all of our notes will be available on the show notes at www.cavnishrblog.com. That will have the links to Mary Pat's website. That will have the links to her quiz, which sounds super fun. And I'm going to have to go take. And that will have her LinkedIn yeah, and the other social media information as well. So Mary Pat, last 20 second piece of advice that you can share with our listeners. All right. So the, the hands down, listen, we are all screaming. The social media is screaming. The White House is screaming. The press is screaming. We are screaming and nobody is fully listening. And I think if we stopped and listened and asked really great questions, the world would change. That's my advice. Listen and the world would change. Thank you so much. And listeners, remember to be great every day. You know you've got to sing alone. Don't you know? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Kavnis HR Culture Podcast. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and TikTok at Kavnis HR. Also check out our weekly live streams at the Kavnis HR Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope, where we focus each week on an HR topic important for small business. These are every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and last around three minutes. To join our weekly HR email newsletter list, send us an email to jasonkavnis at kavnishr.com. Thank you, and remember to be great every day. Don't you know, pump it. You got to pump it. Don't you know.